Welcome to BNN Tax Snacks, a podcast from Baker Newman and Noyes covering timely and impactful federal and state tax developments affecting our clients, friends, and other listeners. I'm Mike Stillings, Director of Tax Services at BNN. Thankfully, 2020 is behind us. In the tax world, however, the impact of last year will be felt for quite some time. In the next several episodes of BNN Tax Snacks, you'll hear from a few of our tax specialists about business and tax topics directly related to the COVID-19 pandemic, the tax law changes it set in motion, and what those changes mean to individual taxpayers as well as businesses. Suffice it to say, we've got a lot to cover, so let's talk taxes. Hi, listeners. I'm Josh LaPierre, and today I'm joined with my colleague, John Hadwin. 2020 has been a unique year, proving to be challenging for many businesses. Today, John and I are going to discuss the planning opportunities for businesses and individuals that may be in a tax loss or a net operating loss situation. Throughout the podcast, we'll use NOLs short for net operating losses. We're going to go through the general rules for NOLs in 2020 and some ideas for planning in 2020 and beyond. Thanks, Josh. I'd just add that for some utilizing the NOL may be able to provide cash needed for operations to continue business through the uncertain months ahead or permanent tax savings depending on the tax rates of the business and or its owners. John, great points. Now let's dive in. John, can you elaborate and discuss some of the components that goes into net operating losses and how they're determined for individuals? Sure, Josh. Uh, individuals need to take a look at all items that flow through to their return, not just the individual business activities or the K-1s or the Schedule Cs or the Schedule Es that they may receive. To determine if an individual has an, an NOL, they need to combine their wages, interest, dividends, retirement plans, itemize the deductions, and also segregate their business versus non-business items. So it's not as easy as just siloing a business and determining if you have a, a net operating loss or not. Thanks, John. So now to talk about how NOLs work in 2020. And yes, the NOLs, how they work in 2020 is different from 2021. So we'll focus on the tax year 2020. Under the CARES Act, which was passed at the end of March, they changed the NOLs for 2020 and they're no longer limited for the 2020 tax year. And they also have some flexibility, which is taxpayer friendly. An NOL for 2020 can be carried back five years unless an election is made to carry the loss forward. This election is made when you file your 2020 tax return, so it gives you some time to consider many other aspects that we'll talk about shortly here. Beginning in 2021, NOLs go back to the old rules that were passed in 2017, and they no longer can be carried back. They're only carried forward, and they can only offset up to 80% of taxable income. Josh, and what are some considerations on whether to carry back or carry forward the NOL? So great question, John. For 2020, there's a lot going on. And a first item to consider is is your your tax rate. Um, and it's good to look at 
you know, right now, the highest tax rate in 2020 is 37% for individuals. That tax rate can actually be reduced by utilizing the pass-through deduction. And if uh, an individual is able to maximize that deduction with their business, they may have a tax rate as low as 29.6% on their business income for the highest rate. And if you look back to 2015, there was no pass-through deduction and the highest tax rate was 39.6%. So that's a that's a quick look to consider of, you know, an NOL carried forward may be at a 37 or 29.6% rate for an individual where going back, they may be able to offset income at up to 39.6% creating a permanent tax deduction. Josh, you mentioned the pass-through deduction. Do you mind just providing a simple answer? I know it's a complex code section, but just give the listeners just a quick reminder of what this is. Yeah, great question. So the pass-through deduction is for individuals that have flow-through businesses, you know, an S-Corp, partnership, Schedule C, E, rental. And it was to give those businesses a deduction to make their 37%, potentially 37% rate, much closer to the lower rate that C-Corps received under tax reform. So C-Corps went from 35% down to 21%, where individuals back in 2017, 2018, went from 39.6 to 37%. And many businesses with multiple limitations that would just take too long to discuss today have the ability to take this deduction that can bring that 37% down to 29.6%. So the next thing on rates you got to consider is what are rates going to be in 2021? And, you know, kind of a lot of the answers for many questions we've had this year with so much congressional action and with COVID impacting is it depends, you know, are rates going to be higher in the future? And it really is going to come down to the Georgia runoffs on January 5th and who controls the Senate uh, will likely drive that overriding factor. Uh, One thing we do have a common um, agreement among the industry is rates most likely won't be going down, you know, in most, you know, and so that's uh, to be seen. So that is something that you'll have to consider even going into year end. We don't know what rates could be in 2021, depending on um, the congressional, uh, the Georgia runoff and what President-elect Biden may do in 2021. So, John, what are some uh, other considerations now that um, we're looking at, you know, you're looking at an NOL in 2020? Well, one thing to consider, you mentioned the different rates, is that you can't pick and choose what tax year you carry back the NOL. You have to go back five years from when you can first utilize the NOL, carry you know any remainder forward until it's fully absorbed. You know, just say if you had a good you know year uh, in 2016, but kind of a down year in 2015, you would have to go back to 2015 before you could even go to 2016 and claim a refund of taxes. So you just gotta be aware, and that's where the rates really come into to play to consider. Another thing to consider is sometimes these are are overlooked frequently is, you know, to even get to an NOL or even a deductible loss from a K-1 received from a partnership, an S-Corp, is you need to go through the level of limitations. You know, first, do you have basis to deduct a loss? Are you at risk? Do you have any skin in the game? Then, you know, are you active or uh, passive in it? And then once you get past that hurdle, you combine it with all of your other income and deductions in determining whether an NOL. And that's a big one that gets overlooked. 
So you just need to be mindful if you have a lot of, you know, deductions that can be harvested, you know, can you uh, get through these level of limitations first? Another big one to consider is when you carry back, you may not recover all of um, the taxes you're expecting. There is a AMT NOL limitation, and that's uh, limited to 90% of your AMT taxable income. Um, it's a complex computation, but just wanted to you know mention that you know you may not get all of your taxes back. AMT still comes into play. So, Josh. As we head into the last few weeks of the tax year, what are some planning ideas for clients that could generate an NOL? What are some ways that they can increase this uh, and, and maybe get some more taxes back? Yeah, good question. And we're having these conversations often now, and uh, really they started back this summer. But one of the big items that actually came up you know, flashing back to the 2017 tax reform in for 2018-19 and going forward, the qualified improvement property, you know, this is the interior fit up or renovations for a lot of restaurants, retailers, you know, the inside of lessees of commercial property. You know, when they make those renovations, Congress intended that they would be able to use the shorter life 15 years to depreciate it. And they also intended them to be able to take 100% bonus depreciation should they choose. Unfortunately, when the law was signed, there was a technical error in that uh, did not allow in, you know businesses to do that. They had to depreciate over 39 years and could not take any bonus depreciation. In March, the CARES Act that was signed into, bill, into law corrected that and said, we want to correct this for these businesses. This will be very helpful. So they made it that these qualified improvement properties, the interior portions of buildings with few limitations, can be depreciated over 15 years and can take bonus depreciation 100%, very favorable. And they said, we'll also make that retroactive back to January 2018. So this is definitely an area that if you haven't looked at, and this may impact you, you know, you should talk to your uh, tax accountant, maybe review your um, scrub, your assets for 18, 19 year additions. If you did do any renovations, because you can turn an asset that was being depreciated over 39 years into 100% um, write-off through bonus depreciation. And there's a little bit of flexibility. You could actually go back and amend. They IRS came out with a rev proc that was taxpayer friendly, come back and amend and take that on a prior year return, potentially creating NOLs in the prior year, or just creating more expenses in that year and some refunds. But you can also pick up and kind of true 18 and 19 up on your 2020 return. So that's something to consider when you're doing your year end planning of, all right, we need to go back and correct this. What year is it more beneficial for my business, for me, and to look forward into the future? On that note, you know, another item is bonus depreciation. It's a hundred percent still. It is uh, it's optional. You can it's used for all your short-lived assets, less than twenty years. So your property, plant, and equipment, furniture, and fixtures. You know, five, seven years, and uh, the fifteen-year qualified Im improvement property. The good thing is that decision does not need to be made until you file your tax return as an election. You know, to opt out if you would like, depending on your situation. But that option is there. Josh, I just wanted to add one thing while we're talking about depreciation is a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with the Section 179 deduction. And typically that's available when you have income in situations where you have a loss. 
the Section 179 deduction is not available. So to really maximize an NOL, you're going to have to focus on assets that qualify for bonus depreciation. And while both get you to the same spot most of the time with uh, federal depreciation, you also need to keep in mind the state tax depreciation rules. And a lot of states do not conform to bonus depreciation. So you may have a loss for federal purposes, but for state purposes, you may need to add it back and actually may be in a, a taxable income position. Interesting. Yeah. So you can have a tax loss for federal purposes, but you know, taxable income for say state of Maine purposes. Certainly. And I've had a lot of clients where, you know, they've maximized the the qualified improvement property depreciation. And then, you know, it's a big loss for federal purposes. And then for Maine, they're still paying tax. So it is it is possible. It's an odd outcome. Be nice but it is, if, uh, tax was sim- simplified. But it is timing. So it just takes some time for Maine to catch up. Continuing on to some timing items or some potential taxpayer-friendly items, as part of tax reform in 2017, they did expand the use of some uh, accounting methods that used to be for that were for smaller businesses. They increased the level to you know the average of 26 million dollars in gross receipts when you look back, but they uh, you can look in to see if the cash basis accounting for tax purposes is advantageous. And that's an automatic method change. You can look at if you have inventories on your books, many uh, manufacturers or retailers may have this and the expansion of the level of needing to capitalize um, expenses as party inventory, which is a really onerous and, and time consuming calculation. They, you know, the, the ability to just stop doing that and deduct all those capitalized costs has been expanded greatly. They did add in certain inventories like materials and supplies can be written off completely and expensed in a year for certain businesses. Um, That's not all inventory. Uh, They also brought that back with some clarifications this year on uh, what that actually means. And the last small business uh, tax accounting method that was favorable is any taxpayer under that $26 million of gross receipts in in the construction or long-term contract industry does not have to use the percentage of completion method, which I know is time-consuming for many individuals. Kind of going back to um, depreciation, John, what is your thought on cost segregation studies? Should someone consider that now or should they wait? I think it depends. I think it, you know, depends on their cash needs. If, you know, you're a business and you need the cash and, you know, you're able to to maximize the benefits of a cost segregation study. You know, I think it makes sense to to go back and and maybe take a look at it and and generate a a larger NOL for businesses and and taxpayers that don't necessarily need the cash to infuse into their business. Maybe you can you know wait um, until you know your first and second quarter numbers are in and you know maybe you um, see what happens with the with the Senate runoff and you can make a better educated decision as to when the timing on that cost seg takes place um, if rates go up you know maybe it makes sense to, to push that cost segregation study off um, into you know a future year because um, you know, it's looking, you know, if in under Biden's tax plan, it's looking like, you know, rates will probably go up for, for most. 
Some other items to consider is you, just, you do need to, for flow-through businesses, you need to consider the shareholders. John had talked about passive versus active um, basis at risk. I know a lot of things thrown out there, but it might not necessarily make sense to just drive the loss, you know, very large if the shareholder is not going to be able to, t- or the partner is not going to be able to take advantage of it. So that's something to make sure you kind of plan in total. And probably one of the other items is, does an item also make business sense? You know, generally don't recommend a client just go buy a bunch of equipment so they can write it off and then not use it, you know. So it's good to kind of make sure you're doing a cohesive plan all together with the business, all the shareholders or partners, and your tax advisor to make sure the the benefit's going to be there today, next year, and going forward. Yeah, Josh, one thing I did want to bring up and it depends on, you know, your individual tax situation is medical expenses are typically overlooked because of the the limitation, you know, generally to be deductible, you know, your total medical expenses need to exceed seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income. But when you're in a NOL position and you have a lot of interest, dividends, cap gains, items that are considered non-business Um, deductions, you want to include these in your computation because this is one way where you can increase your net operating loss and, you know, be able to recover, you know, additional taxes on a carryback or uh, save taxes in the future. So don't overlook, you know, your medical uh, expenses if you do have an NOL. Thanks, John. Yeah. So just goes to show you making sure you take in regards the, you know, your individual situation on top of your business, you know, losses or expenses. That's a lot of great information and options. In summary, you know, does it make sense to carry back or carry forward? How do you decide? I think it's, you know, it comes down to Josh. I think it comes down to whether you need the cash now to kind of, you know, ride out the storm through the winter, if you can get your taxes in and filed early, you can, you know, apply for the, the refund quickly. Or, I mean, if you have the benefit of the time and waiting, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, wait until you get through the first couple, you know, quarters and see what happens with the Biden plan. And, you know, make the best you know, decision, you know, possible when more facts are available. We've talked a lot about the carryback piece of it, but one real important thing to note is the election to forego the carryback. If carryback doesn't make you know tax sense for you, you you feel like you're going to have significantly more income in the future years, and you feel that you know uh, tax rates are going to go up. You want to make an election to carry forward the NOL, and it's very important to do so because um, if it's it's if it's missed, you know the default is the the IRS is going to carry back the NOL and use that you know first, and the NOL will not be there in the next subsequent year. So really important to do that. And for some of you, um, you may have had an NOL in the 2018-2019 tax year, and that determination has already been made. So you will need to make the appropriate election on your 2020 taxes. Great, John. That is a lot of information, a lot of things to consider. Just quickly and lastly, from an administrative and filing standpoint for our listeners, what do they need to know about filing for their NOL? First of all, is you need to complete your 2020 taxes. You can't file an NOL claim prior to completing your 2020 taxes. So 
Um, if you can get your tax information in as soon as possible, we'll greatly appreciate it. To file for an NOL carryback, you have two options. You have this quick refund with Form 1045, uh, and that allows for a faster processing, and that is due by the end of the tax year. So for 2020 NOLs, you would need to file this claim prior to December 31st, 2021. Uh, if you are just waiting uh, just to see if rates are going to get better, don't worry. You can still file for an NOL uh, refund. You would just need to do that on an amended tax return form 1040X. One thing to note is if you can get the refund in on a 1045, it's quicker for the IRS to process and they don't um, tick and tie it as much as an amended return. So if possible, try and shoot for the, the 1045 and, you know, hopefully after October 15th, you know, there's a better information to kind of make that call and you can, you know, file a 1045 prior to the year end and, and get a little uh, post-Christmas uh, bonus. Great, John. Well, thanks for all that information. And to everyone listening, thanks for listening. I know it was a lot of content and you should contact your tax advisor with any questions. John, thanks for joining me. And I look forward to chatting again in future episodes. Absolutely, Josh. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of BNN Tax Snacks. I hope you found the discussion helpful and are walking away feeling a bit more informed. Check out our other episodes, which are available at bnncpa.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Baker Newman Noise. The information contained in this episode is based on data available as of the date of its release. BNN is under no obligation to update this information as changes occur. BNN podcasts, events, and publications are intended to provide general information to our clients and friends. It does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice, nor is it intended to convey a thorough treatment of the subject matter. The information in this podcast may or may not apply to your individual situation. Consult a tax professional for help applying these concepts to your personal circumstances. Please contact Baker Newman Noise for additional assistance at info at bnncpa.com. More information can be found online at bnncpa.com. <laughs>